0: HR leaders, what's on your mind these days? Is it AI? Is it the economy? The talent market? Remote work? Retention? DEI? Pay transparency? New laws? Our 2024 Workplace Trends Report outlines how HR leaders are thinking about these challenges and what they believe will help their organizations overcome them. Want to find out what they said? Head on over to peoplemanagingpeople.com forward slash Workplace Trends 2024 and download the report to find out. To be a leader, it actually takes a bit of selfishness in the beginning phases to build your framework of what it means to be a leader. So this is what I mean by that. I think in the beginning phases, whether you're a husband, a father, a wife, a mother, a human being in a personal relationship, a colleague, a friend, a founder, a leader, a manager, you have to figure out for yourself what you need to be happy and to be okay.
1: Welcome to the People Managing People podcast. We're on a mission to build a better world of work and to help you build happy, healthy, and productive workplaces. I'm your host, Tim Reitzma. Has a candidate ever asked you a question during the interview process and you painted an ideal picture or a dream world rather than giving an honest answer? For example, if somebody asks you, how would you describe the culture of your team? And in your mind, even though, the culture's terrible or it sucks, you say, oh, we're a tight-knit group, it's awesome. Well, in this episode, AJ Vaughn, a three-time founder, currently working on beyondbrandstudios.com, a company helping showcase culture to top talent has a different approach to the hiring process, and I think you should consider it. Being super honest during the hiring process. Sounds easy. And you may think, well, we're already doing this, but consider this. How often have you hired someone who was maybe sold an ideal job, but in reality, their role is completely different? Or the hiring manager maybe wasn't equipped to answer critical questions? In this episode, you will hear AJ's approach to the hiring process and honestly, something I'd encourage you to try out. AJ, welcome to the People Managing People podcast. This has been a long time coming for us and really excited to get this conversation going and to connect with you again. I'm really excited to hear what you're up to and dive into our conversation today because I think it's so relevant. I mean, we're going to be talking about uh, hiring moments and when to be honest and how to be honest in those moments. So welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited. And yes, it's uh, it's been a long time coming, but we figured it out.
1: We figured it out. We're here. So before we dive into it, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're up to right now. Tell us a little bit about what's getting you fired up these days and yeah, just introduce yourself.
0: Yeah. So what am I up to? There's a lot and there's always a lot going on. I think the first thing is, you know, we dealt with the great resignation, which I don't think is done, but then we're looking at the economy going through an interesting spot where sidebar, I paid $12 for a regular size bottle of ketchup. That has to blow your mind, right? Why is ketchup $12? I, you know, I called, I think I called my mother and like nine other friends and colleagues and had to tell them about that. A bottle of ketchup should cost no more than $5. Yeah,
1: it's, we're, we're living through just a crazy time right now, man. Yeah, so I've been looking
0: at that and seeing how that's been impacting certain organizations, whether it's layoffs, whether it's them trying to be super strategic and careful with their spend, I think I'm wondering how that's going to impact the VC world and investments and other things. So I've been keeping my eye on that. I've also been keeping my eye on kind of the topic that we're going to be talking about today as it pertains to, in my world, kind of the cross-pollination of DE&I, talent strategy, internal comms as you rev up for recruiting efforts, and who internally should be responsible to make sure that leaders and managers that are involved in the hiring process are saying and doing the right things to be as transparent as possible. And then the last thing I think that's that's pretty exciting for me recently is I'm kind of getting back on the speaking circuit again, which is fun, kind of getting out there and talking to live human beings again. I was in Nashville not too long ago for a pretty big conference. And that was always interesting because, you know, y- you have those moments where maybe it's after the event over a cocktail, you kind of get to hear some some contextual nuances of what's happening in the org from a, from an angle that I don't think you can you can grab while you're working remote, which is which is what I do at all times. And so I was I was kind of able to hear a little bit more laid back perspectives on how the Great Resignation impacted certain companies and how companies are just thinking about talent and how they're thinking about employee experience internally. Because I have a lot to say when it when it pertains to employee experience, career mapping, and internal comms and all those things as well, and then obviously, obviously, we you know we talked offline about some acquisitions and some cool things happening business wise too. So I'm trying to stay busy.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've you know we've we've connected a few times now, and you've got a lot on the go, and I love that. I love the energy you bring to it. And for those who are listening, you know we'll, AJ's got a podcast of his own, so we'll make sure we we link to that in the show notes so you can go and check him out there. Always before we get into the conversation, I I always ask two questions right at the beginning. And, you know, people have asked me, why do you ask these questions, Tim? And it's, it honestly comes from a place of curiosity. I'm I'm really curious about what, what people have to say about, about these two questions. The first one is, what does it mean to be a leader?
0: I love that question. I think for me, that answer has changed a lot. I think the first, I'll give you a couple of different answers to that question. So the first thing that pops in my mind is, you know, to be a leader, it means to to be, you know what, I'm going to change my answer actually, because I've been going (laughs) through some personal situations that are actually impacting this answer. To be a leader, it actually takes a bit of selfishness in the beginning phases to build your framework of what it means to be a leader. So this is what I mean by that. I think in the beginning phase is whether you know, you're a husband, a father, a wife, a mother, a human being in a personal relationship, a colleague, a friend, a founder, a leader, a manager, you have to figure out for yourself what you need to be happy and to be okay. And what mm. I mean by that in the business context, you need to figure out for yourself, what are the communication nuances? What are the workflows? What are the type of employees that you know you work well with? How can you get yourself to the point to be vulnerable and honest and transparent and fluid and flexible to different personalities? How can you build yourself up selfishly in your own rabbit hole of whatever you feel will make you be the best human being professionally possible? And then I believe, and only then do I believe you have the right to step out to the professional world and say, I'm ready to be a leader inside of this company and to be a leader of people because it's very, you know, I can't remember the old adage is, but, you know, how can you help so many others if you can't help yourself? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the first thing that's been coming into my mind, frankly, due to personal factors, but I've, I've crossed that over into the professional world. If I can't understand who I am and what I need to be the best leader I can tactically and strategically, as well as personality wise and and emotionally, then how can I expect anyone on my team to feel comfortable being led by me if I don't have my own levels of self-awareness? So I'll pause there if you have any questions on that. But that's kind of the first thing that I think is probably vastly different than what you probably heard.
1: I love that you said you know self-awareness. You know, I think that is, that's so key for being a leader is, is being, you know, aware of how you're showing up, the energy you're bringing into your role. I've had a guest early on, on the podcast earlier this year, who said, it's really about that energy that you're bringing, which I think ties into that, that level of self-awareness because if we're miserable, it's going to show up in, in how we're leading, in my opinion. But also I think it's, it's so important to be open to feedback, from others and in how we're showing up as a leader.
0: A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And then for me, what I realize is that, you know, imagine, and I'm sure we've all experienced it. Imagine a very unhappy professional that has a leadership position and title inside of a company. He may be personally unhappy with how his job is structured, his relationship with himself, his lack of awareness, his lack of, you know, stabilization on his own ego, whatever it's going to be. Right. So if you are not personally secure within yourself as a human being, there's no way that you can ask a group of human beings to follow and believe in what you're saying, because here's the, here's the detriment of that. If, if you're not in a great psychological state or emotional state or, or self-awareness state, you're going to start making decisions that are extremely potentially emotional or not super logical. Like you're going to start making bad decisions that are going to affect so many others than yourself. Because the second thing I was gonna say is, once you stabilize that self-awareness, then you have to complete, then you have to shift into the complete other side of the spectrum, which is, you have to be completely selfless and have the most high level of dynamic ability to understand what each and every employee wants at an individual level, and being able to get outside of yourself and give them what they need and what they're looking for. And again, that takes a level of confidence and self-awareness and preparation, because you have to remove ego to be able to do that. So I know I kind of probably went into a Tony Robbins world there, but um <laughs> you know, it's start it's starting to click for me.
1: I think it makes sense, right? It's the, that self-awareness piece, selflessness, and understanding. I've said this before on, on other podcasts, I say this to to people within my team as well, as is we're all uniquely different and we all have different needs and wants and desires and career aspirations. So we can't just, you know, lead from a place of one dimension. It's gotta be a multi-dimension approach to leadership. And so I I love that you you brought that in and that selflessness, right? That's often I've seen in my, I mean, I can only speak for my career. I've come across leaders who are like, okay, I've got the title, so get out of my way now. Um, And it's that selfish versus selfless approach. And and so I think, I don't know, this might lead into my next question. And again, for those who are listening, I, I always ask this question as well is when you hear the phrase, build a better world of work, what comes to mind?
0: Build a better world of work. A world that can put employees first. And that's probably a little bit of cheesy based off of my business model, but I believe in it the most. I'm still trying to find HR tech Work world of work tech solutions. I'm still trying to find organizations that genuinely have leaders that believe in this. I'm still trying to find organizations that have processes, procedures, ways of working, you know, disciplines within the workplace, how they hire, how they fire, that genuinely puts the best interest of the employee at an individual level first. I'm trying to find that. And so as I think about the word of work and where I feel it needs to go and should be and should be going, that's the first thing that always pops into my mind. Because when you can create an experience for one, when you can create a one-on-one experience for each and every employee, whether you have 30 employees or 30,000 employees, that's a world we can get excited about. Because whether you are someone that is dealing with significant PTSD and trauma from your previous relationship or financial issues or jobs and your manager and or leader or organization can appreciate and respect that and and adjust things. Whether you're a young 20-something graduate that's looking to get mentorship and be involved in some sort of upskilling or L&D structure and you as the organization are spending a lot of time understanding their skill sets and their learning styles and being very contextual and giving them giving them mentorship that can really prepare them for the next five years of, the, of their career, whatever it's going to be. And those two examples are completely different sides of the spectrum. You as an organization should be putting employees first by understanding their personal context and building out systems to be able to do that and making sure you have leaders inside the company that believe that's their first priority and job outside of every other responsibility they have. So that's probably my answer to that when I hear the word of work.
1: Yeah, it's that employee first versus, you know, the building out of technology. I mean, you need employees to build out the technology. You need employees now more than ever. And you mentioned off the beginning, the great resignation, you know, and I think we're moving into the great layoff right now, but there's still a lot of change and turmoil in In the market, especially in the tech industry, I was reading something today about, I think it's over 40,000 jobs in the tech industry in the U.S. alone were lost recently. And so, you know, how do we build this better world of work as we think about the people that that are making up our organizations? And, you know, if we reprioritize some of the things we're chasing as leaders, whether that's chasing market or chasing revenue or chasing, you know, ego, whatever that looks like. We gotta be putting our people first, and yeah, of course, yeah. There's hard decisions that you have to make along the way, but I, I agree. It's it's that employee experience is is so key. Even if you do have to lay people off, it's how you handle it says a lot about your organization.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I'll and I'll tell you one quick thing too that can help any leaders listening, because many people forget. You know, I'm a CEO now. I was a CEO at 19. I was a CEO at 23, 24, 25 then spent time as an employee from 25 until 30. So I've met most of my career, I've actually been in the leadership position. So I, I have full understanding and knowledge and, and empathy for any leader or in, in that COO. Anybody in the C-suite listening, you're probably gonna resonate with this. Let's say you believe everything I'm saying is complete BS. Let's say you're like, you know what? This employee's first, this humanistic, this Tony Robbins crap. I don't believe in it. All right, perfect. I love it. I'm right there with you. Let me give you another tip or reason to do any of this. We all know, as business owners and leaders, we all know, as managers of departments and teams, we're going to need favors, slash, we're going to need significant levels of high productivity output of our employees. So if you can give them what they want from an experience perspective, not the salary they want all the time, which is incredibly important, by the way, not the benefits they want, which is incredibly important, by the way. But if you can really get into supporting them around decision-making models that really that that are baked into their preferences. Career mapping, internal comms, L&D, the relationships they're able to cultivate, the access to information they're able to provide or get, the the types of ways that you adjust your leadership style contextual to their leadership style preferences. If you can get into the day-to-day experiences and put all of your energy to give them what they want in that category, the moment you need them to work a few extra hours or to or to reach and meet a deadline that puts them in a very anxiety-riddled state. I'll tell you this: I've never had an employee in my life not bend over backwards to do something that I needed to do because I love them first and bent over backwards a million times over in their first six months of working with me to make sure that their experience was built exactly the way that they wanted it to be. So when I finally go in for that ask, they're gonna give it to me. It happens. All the time, and I don't overutilize it, but I, I'm I'm super conscious of it. It's like, hey, if you don't want to do any of the stuff that I'm saying because of the Tony Robbins esque that I'm giving, perfect. Do it because it actually will give you what you need when you have to meet a deadline because of your financial or your market capitalization goals that you have. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but
1: well, I think it ties in with our topic today too about. Just the honesty right I think about you know we want to talk about hiring moments and honesty and but that honesty and transparency and and treating people as people and meeting those core needs of our people is is what I'm hearing you know kind of interwoven in the last fifteen minutes of our conversation and and I think that's what you really bring to well to your podcast and the businesses that you've built is is built on that foundation of the human need yep Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of honesty, right? We're going to flip this into you know when we're fleshing out the topic for this. I know you you talked about a hiring moments, and you've been CEO for quite a few years throughout your career. You've been the employee hired into companies. Same here. I've been at the exact level. I've I've hired a lot of people. I've been hired, and so we want to talk a. a bit about the honest, super honest moments, and that it's okay to be honest as a leader during the hiring process. So before we get into, you know, I've got a whole list of questions, but what resonates with you so much about this topic?
0: I think what resonates with me about this topic is I've been, the times where I've been an employee in my life, and frankly, in the early stages of my own career as a leader, I really failed to give the honest picture of what the role was actually going to be. And while I was also ahead of people, I saw many employees in the first six months disgruntled because they took the job thinking the job was going to be one thing. And then it was completely something different. And they needed that job because of the fu- here, here's the reality here. Anyone taking a job from $150,000 below most likely they need that job, right? Can we all agree with that? Most likely the ones that are taking those roles are not financially, you know, independently financially wealthy. Like we can all assume that they need that job. Most human beings do not have much longer than, worst case scenario, a paycheck to paycheck runway, best case scenario, let's say they're doing all the right things, a year runway. Like most Mm -hmm. folks don't have five, 10, 15 years of money of overhead in the bank you know, I think we would all agree. So they need that job. And so I've seen too many companies and too many employees accept positions. They get into the role. It's not what they want. It's not what they thought it was. It's completely something different, but now they're stuck because they need that job. They moved into a new home. They doubled down on a mortgage. They bought a new car. They promised their kids that they would be able to go to this private school or get into these two new activities. And now they're stuck. They're unhappy they're disgruntled and now they're looking for other employment so their productivity's dropping off their their perspectives of the company dropping off the company's wondering why they're not as great as they thought they were on paper and in the interview process and now they're either getting fired getting demoted there's a clear misalignment the company's mad the employees are mad everyone's freaking out when all it took was honesty in the very beginning and transparency on both sides it's very similar to the dating world (laughs) if you're just honest Mm -hmm. in the first five to six dates You'll realize very quickly if you want to be with that person long term or not, so I don't know it just it's just fascinating to me, and I've made a lot of mistakes in the department, and I just kept seeing a lot of folks make the same mistakes so
1: well it it resonates with me because you know I've taken roles throughout my career that read the job description, and I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do, get in house and realize. Wait, well, wait! This is not what I expected, or what I had signed up for, or it's fundamentally different. And you know, as that candidate, maybe I didn't ask the right questions. But also, you get in, you kind of feel duped a little bit. It's like, well, what, what happened here? And so, how do we fix that? How do we correct that? Like, as leaders, you know, we interview a lot of people for roles. And as pe- as candidates, maybe somebody who's listening to this is, is looking for a job, how do we ensure that we are making it the best process?
0: So I have a lot of thoughts here. I think the very first step is as a company and as leaders, and I'll give you a couple of positions. I need the chief people officer. I need the CEO. I need the head of talent or head of recruiting. I need hiring managers of each department to all sit in a room and look at each other and be incredibly honest and say, there's a 99.9% chance that we have not been as honest and as clear to our candidates about what they're actually being involved in and what they're actually getting prepped to join this company. We just need to all own that right? Because all of those positions I just named are a part of the process. The hiring managers are helping the chief people officers and the heads of talent, you know, prepare for what the job is going to actually be and what they need for their department. The CEO inevitably, as we all know, the buck stops with them. The COO may be building out the processes. Even the the CTO may be the one that's writing the checks for some of the HR tech and the HR software, the HRS systems. Everyone needs to sit in a room and at least own that responsibility and own that flaw and that mistake. Right. Because I, I genuinely believe 99% of companies are not as authentic, not as honest, and do not have an inclusive hiring process. I'll pause there and then I can get deeper into what the next step should be because I have a lot to say about this.
1: Well, I, I, let's just dive into it. What is it like the next steps? I'm, I'm really intrigued. I also have a lot to say on this, but you know, I, I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. So so
0: once they've all admitted that and owned that, then the next step is to appoint a man. Someone that's inevitably going to be the person that is responsible for extracting the honesty. I always like to say that should be the chief people officer. I believe, and, I, and I've talked about this in other, you know, other mediums and, and other perspectives, but the chief people officer needs to be more strategic than I think most companies are allowing them to be. Right. The chief people officer needs to have budget, needs to have the freedom to bring in other support from the outside. If you don't have a head of DEI internally due to whatever the case is, the chief people officer needs to have the budget to reach out to some DEI firms or some independent practitioners and bring them in for a six week period of time to help them make sure the job descriptions are inclusive using the right language, whatever the case is going to be. So the chief people officer needs to be the one that stewards this entire boat. They need to be the Bill Belichick, if anyone knows football, American football here, of this process, in my personal opinion. That mm-hmm. individual needs to sit down with the head of the each department that is inevitably hiring, and they need to go through some of the following categories. Now, that can be facilitated through a lot of different ways, a 90-minute conversation that is recorded. That is my personal preference. And the key thing before they get into these categories are the following. They need to look the hiring manager dead in their eyes and say the following I need you to be viscerally honest. We are going to be honest. We are going to be clear. We are going to be real, good, bad, or indifferent. We just need to know what is, not what you want it to be, not what you thought it could be, not what you think will be approved by the time they get here what is it? So I'll give you a couple categories. Leadership decision-making frameworks. How do you, the leader of this marketing department and team, and we're looking to hire three copywriters, how do you make decisions? What are the frameworks around that? Change management. If there's a process, if there's a mode, if there's something, if there's an expectation, if there's a focus that is changing, how do you do that? What are the communications around that? What does that look like for you personally? Day-to-day department operations. How do you personally handle tight deadlines emotionally as a leader? And how do you lead your teams during tight deadlines? How do your communications change? How do your expectations change? I like to get into how do you maintain communication when working with a remote and hybrid team? What does that look like tangibly, tactically? What tools are you using? What are your flaws when it comes to those communications? What what have you been working on due to those flaws? Your weaknesses as a leader, your visibility and ability to, to support your direct reports in the first 90 days of their role, or do you need someone that is already ramped up? Do you need a plug and play? We as chief people officers need to get this type of information in so many more categories. We need the truth. And I believe each one of those categories that I just spit off, I believe that's a six to nine minute conversation where the leader is giving examples, giving feedback, giving detailed nuances around what that looks like. And again, examples, like give me tactically, what are your leadership decision frameworks? Examples of when you utilize them, things that piss you off as a leader, things that causes you to have misalignment with the new hire in the first 90 days. Let's get very deep. I'll pause there.
1: I love that you said that you're going in this direction. I know like being super honest during hiring moments can go, you know, 10 different directions. It could be about we're being honest about the organization or, you know, somebody asks, "Oh, like your startup, do you actually have cash?" and you say yes, but inside you're like, "Actually, we're pretty broken. You know, we don't know if we're going to keep the lights on in 6 weeks." But to me, it's about showing up as your authentic self as a leader and being honest about that. It's not just putting on that aspirational identity. It's like, Hey, like this is how I want to show up as a leader, but this is who I am and I'm working on it. You know, here's my flaws. Here's my good points. Here's how I'm going to support you in this hiring. You know, as I'm walking you on, uh, on to my team, And, you know, whether it's I know how to do this or I don't, but it's just that that internal honesty. Am I getting that right?
0: No, you're getting that totally right, because what a lot of organizations think is that they think applicants and talent want aspirational content, want aspirational interviewing processes. They don't. What talent actually wants, because you got to remember, we're talking about parents out here. We're talking about college graduates that are that are moving out of their house for the first time. We're talking about people that have not been able to get a job for nine months and they've been door dashing and Ubering and and moving BGE bills around and just looking mm-hmm. for a break. They're not looking to have you lie to them. They're looking to know what am I actually getting involved in so I can make an honest decision if I believe I'm gonna have success here, because I don't want this to be number one, an uncomfortable situation and experience. Number two, I don't want my productivity to drop off and I get fired. Or number three, I don't want to ha- hate it so much that I literally force myself to quit. And now I'm back moving around my BGE bill. Or now I'm back thinking of myself negatively as a, as a new, new graduate and maybe I didn't pick the right degree. Or let's say on the complete opposite side, let's say you're a former C-suite executive looking for a new job after spending a few years being a parent you're looking to take that next step back into the industry, back into the workforce and have success, not questioning if this is the right decision for you. So, you know, employees want to be in a situation where they know what they're getting involved in. And, I, and I'll give you the final step here. And there's many other steps, but I'll get to the punchline once you have these conversations that those conversations should be put in some sort of a platform now obviously there's a, there is no direct sell here i'm not trying to you know promote anything i'm personally doing but there's companies out here and if you want to reach out to me personally we can talk about it but in theory you need to put this into some sort of communication platform or access to be able to give this information the conversations between the chief people officer and the hiring manager you need to be able to give this communications and this information to applicants after the screen, after round one. Now, why is that? Why do you not put it out to the open prior, right? I believe you put this information after because you want to at least not kill your attraction level. Now, because I used to be, I used to put this process in an employer branding mode. And what I was noticing is there were certain organizations that were not getting enough inbound. Let's get the inbound. I believe in that, right? I've changed my perspective on that. Let's get the inbound, right? Let's get 10,000, 5,000, 1,500 applicants coming through the door. But once you screen them, you now you know you're talking to the right people, right? Now, to a certain degree. Now put the information in front of them post screen, post round one. Now my energy is starting to shift to care about the brand, right? Because now what's gonna happen is there's equal opportunity on both sides. You know you're talking to potentially the right person, The right person is excited about the company and and whatever you put out aesthetically in an employer branding level. But now they get an email after the screen call saying, congratulations, James, you're moving to round one or round two, rather. Perfect. Now James can sit back and watch 14, 15 different videos, three to six, nine minutes a piece at his own time and really dive into the nuances. And guess who James is hearing from? His next boss, his next supervisor. And now James can either come up with more thorough questions to make him a better interviewee for the next round of the interview, or James can say, you know what, this isn't the right mode for me. This isn't the right company for me. I'm going to send an email back saying, thanks, no thanks, saving the the company time, energy and money, which you want as a company. Let's all be honest. And now if he decides to go into the interview, now the interview is turning into a much more inclusive, detailed, deep dive where each the employee and the employer are being honest with each other and finding a good mesh. And I'll pause again, but but that's in my perspective of how the process should go. And it's so simple. Everything I said is so simple, yet I think we all can agree. Zero companies that are listening to this are probably doing what I just said.
1: Well, it's the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh man, uh, what companies are doing this? Because this is intriguing. I, I'm really intrigued by this because... Often it's right. You screen a resume and then you do a HR or, you know, maybe talent acquisition does a phone interview and then you pass that phone interview. You go to the round one, you kind of dance around a little bit. You make sure the qualifications are legit, might go to a round two and then maybe a round three and then you get an offer. And so in all of that, you know, maybe that's only three or four hours of, of, quote unquote face to face time or you know computer to computer time if you will versus what I'm hearing is just send a candidate some videos you know from you as a leader to say hey you know welcome to the interview process this is what we're going to go through a little bit about me you know here is my leadership style here's what I'm working on to develop myself as a leader here's how I make decisions you know here's the function of our team here's as you said you know how i communicate how i lead here's our change management process and putting together just that that database of of content and sharing that out with candidates
0: yep and just be viscerally honest and be very direct tell them about you know what ramping up to productivity looks like tell them about how much visibility they will have with you tell them about how you hold and have difficult conversations Tell them about examples of difficult conversations that you've had in the first 90 days of a new hire in the past. Tell them about department inclusivity examples and how the department is striving to be inclusive if, if you are. Tell them about how you will evaluate them in your in their first 90 days at a detailed level. Because all of these categories I just mentioned, I think we all can agree. And here's the punchline that I'm hoping every company can get excited about. If all of these categories churn out new hires because inevitably what happens is a new hire gets into a company and they're like, oh my gosh, they're changing the strategy. They're changing my workflow. They're changing everything every other week or every other day. This is such a high growth startup and they're changing everything. I had no idea. I'm looking for something and I got three kids at home. I'm dealing with some issues with my spouse I'm not looking for too many changes. I got enough changes in my personal life. I'm looking for. I'm looking to do a job, the same thing every single day, and have very minimal changes. I don't want to get an email saying, "Hey Anthony, do this." Oh, actually, change that. Oh, actually, this priority. They they may not want that, right? Mm-hmm. So be honest upfront about all of the most important things that can actually churn out aka have a new hire join your team and 90 days in you get an email saying thanks but no thanks i'm moving back into the the i'm moving back to be an applicant and I'm looking for my next opportunity it's been great or worst case scenario I, I apologize they just start their productivity just starts dropping off and they're doing the bare minimums and you can't really read as a manager if they're a good employee or not so you can't necessarily fire them but guess what they're doing they're just freeloading off the company just doing just enough not to get fired and collecting a check until they find their next thing.
1: Yeah. You know, again, as I mentioned, I'm really intrigued about this and thinking about how to make it practically work. And it's just ridiculously easy, right? There's so many plugins into your, your Google Chrome to hit record on a video, Google meet, whatever it looks like. But I just think about all the hiring I've done and I've hired a whole lot of people throughout my career. And you always get to the you know the last part of the interview. It's almost like every interview is structured the same way. Right? You ask some scripted questions and then turn it over to the candidate. Do you have any questions for me? But we only have ten minutes left, and then the candidate is scrambling through their their questions and trying to figure out well what's the best one to ask. And if we take the advice that you're presenting, you know, sending out all of this content ahead of time, not just in a long dissertation or multi-page document but in a in a digestible format in a conversational format man you can have a real authentic conversation or that candidate can go no like i'm not looking for you know somebody to be friendly and always checking up on me i'm looking for somebody to just leave me alone and get my work done yep if that's their leadership style then it's not going to work for me or as you said you know, I've, I've heard it so many times in organizations of like, we're fast paced. Well, what does that even mean? What does that mean? You know, is, there, is our team fast paced, but there's 16 levels of bureaucracy to actually get our change implemented? Or is it just fast? So even defining some of that in a video, in that, in that conversation to open up a, a real dialogue through that interview process. Because let's face it, you've got candidates. Your HR team, if you have an HR team, or maybe you as a leader is screening them, you look at their resume, you compare it to their LinkedIn, it looks good. It looks legit. So now they're past, they've already almost, you know, pretty much passed the qualification step. Now it's the, hey, are we actually going to be able to work together? Are we going to get along? And let's spend time there.
0: Yep. And so here's the punchline though. And again, this is no direct plug. I'll, I'll speak at a high level. The issue is most cheap people officers do not have the the right levels of autonomy to do this and pull this off. Most of the time, heads of talent and recruiting do not have enough autonomy to pull this off. Most of the time, hiring managers do not have the autonomy and green lights to pull this off. And so why I created Beyond Brand is that I felt a third-party facilitator would be the best way to do that. And that's what candidates actually appreciate. Because when a candidate watches a video and they see a third party that has no long-term direct influence or role inside the company, pushing a hiring manager very hard in an empathetic and loving way, to be viscerally honest, it's the best way possible to get the, it's very, it's similar to like a therapist, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is probably too much into neuroscience, but I did, I studied neuroscience for like three years and the brain naturally protects it protects itself from any and all things that are uncomfortable or bad or negative or sad. And so when some of those categories come up that aren't, you know, let's say your decision making frameworks are not so great. Let's say you as a leader, you know, the only reason you have a job in this company still is because you're great at you have a great level of industry knowledge and experience and expertise, and the company long-term wants to leverage that because of where they're strategically going in the next two years, and they want to capitalize on that. But no one on your team appreciates the way you make decisions, right? You have to be honest about that in that process, but your brain is telling you, don't do that because it's going to be very difficult to bring someone onto your team because two people just left because of that, and maybe you're not ready to change that behavior so we created beyond brand to help avoid some of those complexities where the brain is trying to protect itself so we're like look we're bringing a third party we'll design these categories cuz you got to remember also a lot of these categories companies are they're so busy they're not even thinking about these categories they're like here's the compensation here's some high level things around how and when and how and when and structures around the way that we're working and here's a little bit about me as a leader and here's really what we need out of the role and 3 hours later okay you're hired right like mm-hmm. like these micro categories and the nuances of these categories a lot of organizations don't take a second to think about them so that's why we we created it
1: i love that yeah just you know not saying hey just outsource everything but this is a great way to To say, like, look, we we know we need to create this this honesty, this trust within our hiring process. We need to make sure our leaders are presenting themselves in an authentic and and true way. And in that when we do hire a candidate, we hire somebody, bring somebody in, that they're going to be set up for success. You know, it costs so much money for us to hire the wrong person. And often we look at that person that maybe we need to let go or didn't pass probation, just whatever jurisdiction you're in and whatever your, your employment law is. But here in, in where I'm located, right, we've got three-month probation, so maybe it doesn't work out. We, you know, how many of us have said, well, it's the, the candidate's fault. They just didn't live up to, to what we had presented. But maybe we just turn that lens around and just look at ourselves. What did we miss in the process? Yeah, you know, we thought they were a great person. We made them an offer. They they came on board. We're spending a ton of money getting them ramped up, and it's still the, and it's the wrong person. And that's a big cost. So, so I love that. And you know, we'll we'll make sure we put links to to your site and what you're up to in the in the show notes. But as we look to wrap up, AJ, you know, what is one thing that somebody can do today when they're listening to this podcast? They're thinking about okay, you know being truly honest about myself in that hiring process is maybe a little daunting or scary or honest about my company is a little daunting or scary. But where do we start? What's the one thing somebody can do today to really drive this change within that organization, within that hiring process?
0: What's one thing that the leaders can change or the company can change or
1: yeah that the leader can do the leader can you know if they're looking at at this hiring process and going okay you know I might not have the buy-in from from my HR team or or I don't have an HR team and I and you know this re- this is resonating with you where do we start what's the one thing do we, do? do we just hit the record button and start recording our answers do we make a list of things what's your advice on on where somebody can and should start this process
0: i got a good one if you're running a team of Three, five, fifteen, depends on you know, doesn't matter. Go to each and every employee that you're currently leading and sit down across some of the categories I mentioned, as well as ask the following question. Think back to when you were first hired here and you joined my team. when it comes to, again, some of these categories, internal comms, the way I make decisions, the availability and the accessibility you had to me early, in your first 90 or 120 days, what would you, ha- would have changed during those first 90 to 120 days that I personally could have done something differently to make your experience better, more productive, ramped you up to productivity faster. What, what's something that I could have changed, get that information, jot that down, keep track of it in a Google doc, look at it, ingest it, understand it, learn it. And ask yourself honestly and ask your current employee are any of those things different now and if the answer is no don't get upset you have some time to learn and get better but if you're currently in a hiring process make sure you articulate those nuances that's now in that google doc to your applicants fast in any way that you would like to that's like the scrappiest way to do it in a best case scenario Give me a call and we can help you figure it out to do it a little bit more clean and aesthetically pleasing and get your own website and all these other things where the content can be held and some logins. And you know, we can we can make it a little bit more fancy. But if you want to keep it scrappy, you just want to get it done and you want to just do this tomorrow, and you know you're in the midst of a hiring process, that's probably the best way to do it because you're gonna get the you're gonna get honest feedback if you built enough psychological safety, which is a whole different conversation uh, mm-hmm. from those that you're leading. So that's a quick scrappy tip.
1: Oh, I love that. I think, you know, just to paraphrase that, it's if you're hiring, if you're a hiring manager, you know, start asking your team, the people that you've brought into your organization over the last while, and say, you know, what worked well and what could have been better. And if you've got that trust and, and have built that psychological safety, just be prepared for whatever answers are being thrown at you and don't get defensive. And you know, we've got a great podcast on feedback. And my good friend Matt Gould says, You know, when you hear feedback, your response should be, thanks, tell me more. Yep. And so, you know, pull up your socks and listen for that constructive feedback and then action it. So AJ, thanks so much for coming on a fascinating conversation about transparency, honesty and hiring moments and really, you know, making sure we're bringing in people who are aligned with us and who can add to our cultures within our organizations, within our team. So what is the best way for somebody to reach you?
0: Reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's AJ Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N on LinkedIn. I always recommend folks to just Google Anthony Vaughn HR and a bunch of links and information will pop up or just shoot me an email directly at Anthony Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N 2015 at gmail.com. That's my personal one, not even the businesses and just reach out to me personally there and uh, we'll chat a little bit.
1: Sounds good. And, and yeah, we'll put all the links in the show notes as well, AJ. And so again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And for those who are listening, love your feedback on this episode. AJ's kind of throwing us something that you know, isn't common in the hiring process. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Shoot me an email at tim at People.com or, or hit me up on LinkedIn and again, if you're, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you love what you heard today, please like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. With that, Anthony, thanks again and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.
0: I appreciate you. Thank you.